0: Added Time is supported by Fitbit. Get real-time insights on you and your world with the Fitbit Versa 2, the all-new premium smartwatch with Amazon Alexa built in, your personalised sleep score and a five-plus-day battery life.
1: So I was driving in the dark last night. Where were you driving? I was driving back from Drogheda, uh, where I was at a club club. Match. Oh, you were at the Ballyboden game. I was at the Ballyboden game, and I was driving home in the dark, listening to uh, uh, the end of uh, Liverpool City, which you know was apparently a, a terrific game. Which a cracking I, game, yeah. Yes, of course. But, but uh, I was watching club football, but that's 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 a gripe for another time. Um, and uh, I was listening to it on News Talk, and uh, uh, they said uh, coming up to ten to seven, they played. They said, "Oh, and just before we go, we have." We have Pep talking to Jesh Reeves, and I uh, went grand, and he was he was he was a bit kind of a wee bit snotty with Jesh Reeves, but Jesh Reeves is an old hand at this, and and did kind of go, you know, Pep, you are the manager of the club, this is your responsibility, you have to you have to talk to me, <laughs> kind of thing, and so he kind of came around and and was he was grand, and I went back to studio, and um, Joe Malloy was saying. And, you know, pretty gracious from, from from Guardiola in the end there. And I was going, yeah, there seemed to be an, under, an undercurrent of it. And then I saw the replays on Sky News later on. What a monstrous asshole Pep Guardiola was yesterday.
2: <laughs> I think Pep lost a lot of neutrals that might have had time for him yesterday.
1: I love Pep Guardiola. Mm. I love him. I love the football. I love what he has done to football in the last decade. I remember... Football around 2005, and Liverpool and Chelsea playing out these nil-nil draws at the top of the Premier League and at the top in in the Champions League, and shit they, on a stick, shit on a stick. It yeah. was awful. And Pep came, drove Barcelona, drove Bayern Munich, drives Man City. I love watching City play. But why you got to be a dick about it? Like, come on! Do you know what it is? Because I, I I watched plenty of it back then, and. Uh, you know, h- h- him him screaming at the officials with his, his two times and his three times. Mm-hmm. It's performative wankerism. It kind of of him just kind of telling everybody, I'm I'm more obsessed about this game than all you people. And like, I know Klopp has a
2: theatrical side to him as well and God knows that, that that's real. Yeah. But the exaggerated handshake that he went up and gave the officials at the end was a dick move. And then afterwards yeah. to go on the radio and, and have people say to him, it looked like you were given a bit of uh, sarcasm yeah. to the officials. And he was like, oh, no, I was congratulating them oh, on their wonderful like, performance.
1: You know. Like, come on. Yeah, exactly. Be an adult about exactly. it, at least. Exactly. People can see. You know you're on television. Yeah. <laughs> Billi- billions of people are watching this. They, they, they know what sarcasm is. Mm. And they know what, what childishness is. Yeah. They yeah.
2: did look really childish in a, a lot of what they did yesterday. Plus, the decisions that really incensed them were given by VAR and not actually by Michael Oliver.
1: And this, this is this is how referees end up in the boots of cars because they take their people down the leagues and and in the rest of the world take their lead for this wanker just kind of performatively shaking Michael Oliver's hand. I thought Michael Oliver was did well not to clock him. Go away.
2: Especially when you come off the Rugby World Cup and you watch the respect that officials I will get there. steady
1: on now. steady on. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, come on, come on. Come on, let's not not get into whataboutery when it comes to respect for referees. (laughs) There's
2: no rugby referees going into boots
1: of cars. No, no, this is Hmm. true. Uh, We will uh, later talk to uh, Emmett Malone, who indeed... Uh, by pure coincidence, had a piece in the paper on Saturday that everybody should read about uh, being a referee. He he did he did a refereeing course and and refereed at, at junior level for a couple of months. <laughs> it is it is fairly eye opening stuff. Mm. Uh, not helped by the likes of Guardiola. So we'll have him on later on. Uh, it's International Week. We'll be talking about the Ireland women's team and the Ireland men's team. But first, he thought he escaped, but he hasn't.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Gavin Kowalski is back for the longest rugby season. You thought I got on all holidays, time, didn't you? <laughs> But I took two <laughs> days I, off.
1: I, I think people, will, if we play back the tape from last week, will hear me saying to you, you're grand now for a while. We, we do not need to talk to you for a while. And then it turns out I looked at the calendar and it turns out the Bleeding Heineken Champions Cup is back this week.
3: Yeah, I'm fully revived as well. I was down in Talman Park, see Munster beat Ulster on the weekend. So I'm switched back in.
1: And in the meantime, um, a massive ro- rugby story broke within a day or two of you leaving us last week explain the saracens thing to me which, well, which I, I, I it really overshadows the uh, the kicking off of this tournament doesn't it like they they're the champions they're mm. they're not even <laughs> i was reading some stuff from them yesterday they're really not going to be putting out much of a team in this competition well mark mccall has
3: indicated they've just been docked 35 points and mm. fined 6 million um, so mark mccall the director of rugby has made it, has indicated that um we have to make sure we don't get relegated and we have 35 points to catch up on so Europe is a secondary is not a priority anymore this season um, they've also got the bulk of the England team to come back in and they have to be careful how they handle them now because they really can't be losing them to injury but effectively just to explain to anyone who doesn't know um, Nigel, Ra- Nigel Ray their owner uh, figured out a way of getting around the salary cap and it, this has been the Carly, I was going to say the dirty little secret in English. Yeah, it's no, not like, really a secret. This was
1: hiding in plain sight. Like people yeah. knew this.
3: Yeah, this has been going on yeah. for ages. Um, the mail did some really good work on it last year to break it out, break it open. Um, what he did was, so we'll take the um, Owen Farrell, the Vonopola brothers. Um, there's a couple more in there where Ray set up businesses with them. Um Toja, the yeah. Um, like the own fire one is called Faz something Faz Limited or something like that. Mm. And you buy it was property businesses bought and all that. Where like I think the one turned over their their company with with their the Saracens zone turned over one point one million last year. Um, so effectively, and also you want to open up a coffee shop, you want to start whatever it is. the Saracens board are investing in it with you and all this. So, and it was they kept promoting it openly, saying like, well, this is this is us kind of looking after our players, and we're a family club, and we're a community. And it's been proven now that they're in breach of the salary cap regulations and that, to quote Chris Robshaw, a former England captain and Harlequins Mm. captain who was over at the European launch in Cardiff the other day, he goes, they're cheaters, they've cheated. Um, And it was very, I was was over in Cardiff at at the European launch and the English clubs were up first and we got there, crack, first thing in the crack of dawn, get in there and the PR people are like panicking going, Sarsons haven't turned up. So I was like trying to establish if you're going to find them and they're going, we'll see and all that. But you go into the room and the coaches and the captains of the English clubs came in. Rob Baxter from Extra Chiefs. I was like, I want to hear what he has to say. He'll probably kick to touch. And he didn't. He eviscerated them. You know, he sat down and he went, how dare they do this? And the implication is they shouldn't, they should be relegated. Was A, lo- a lot mm-hmm. of people were edging towards. But Rob Shaw just went nuclear. Um, he just he just said, we've always known about this. It was, uh, I'd push people towards his quotes if you can, wherever you can find them. We, we obviously published them. Um, he just Tore them apart, saying that like they've they're double champions, European champions, league champions. They've there's asterisks already on the Wikipedia page beside their Premiership <laughs> titles. You know,
1: so it brings into that, question the, the whole way. Thing, the thing before you go on was, was fascinating because, as you say, the the thing that you expect from sports people, especially in organised press conferences, mm. promotional press conferences, is. Double speak, fluff. Him especially, and that's him what he especially. Does. He played with these guys, yeah, like was, you know, these are these are ex-teammates of his. He's talking.
3: Yeah, about. and we were sitting. I was sitting around him, and the English reporters actually didn't kind of go over to him. We weren't expecting him to say much, and it was myself and our two Welsh reporters. And he goes, "You know, if this comes to pass, you know, this is wrong, and it is cheating." And I stopped him and went, "It has come to pass. Mm. They have been fined and they have been deducted." And he goes, "Yeah, they're cheaters." And then off he went on a big. On a yeah, big he, spiel. he said,
2: I "Call it what you want. It's cheating." When you look at cheating in athletics, when you look at cheating in cycling, when you look at cheating in baseball, for us as a sport, we like to think our sport is cleaner and cleaner than everyone else. It is not anymore. It is not. We have to be realistic about that. As a sport, we've got to take the damage that comes with that now. I'm sure it'll be like that for a while. It's not going to be easy for our sport going forward.
3: He also said, We're, we've always been wider than white and we've mm-hmm. looked down on football. Mm-hmm. I was kind of sitting there. Yeah. I
1: actually, as I was talking to him, I was, look, Harlequin's
3: playing I was looking up to 2009 uh, Harlequin's team just, just to make sure that he was playing blindside in that game. Uh, was he? For the Bloodgate game. So I was just like going, OK, I'm going to have to add in a little paragraph here just <laughs> under this. But I was thinking in my head, what do you ask him next to get him to say, to keep going on this topic? But wider than white doesn't really wash, you know? And there's going to be other clubs, by the way, uh, this is not finished. A couple of other clubs are supposedly in a bit of trouble in the English Premiership for doing something similar, you know. They're Bef- effectively doubling players, their top players' wages.
1: You before, know? We, wow. before we get even more into it, take the devil's advocate approach. Is there a world in which Saracens are right here? Is there a world in which what they did is fine?
3: If everyone else starts to do it, yes. And if it's accepted that this is the way of doing it. But... um and, you know, you have to be very careful when uh, people from Ireland we be very careful about what they say about it because there is no salary cap, mm. you know. And, mm. like, Leinster will use 60 players this mm-hmm. season. Mm. So if we add up all their wages, what what do we got in comparison to yeah. the English ones, you know? Yeah. We don't know because yeah. they don't release them. So... I'm not, and, saying yeah, I'm not saying that with certainty. And bust, if you add in
1: the 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 private finance, that goes into some
3: of that. But well, this is the thing. So yeah. Sexton was there and uh, we didn't ask him about it because we were too busy trying to get him to talk about the World Cup. But uh, as Ben Coles from The Telegraph uh, got hold of him um, asked him about it as well. And there's a nuance there. because mm. A lot of his wages are covered by his Dennis O'Brien sponsors, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, certainly
1: was when he came back. Yeah, still the case, and
3: think. again, it's also that people have been having a complaining about uh Saracens in England for years and going they're doing this, they're cheating at this. Um, and then but when Leinster win, the English clubs are kind of scratching their heads, going you know, like they there's no there's no rules put on them, mm. you know, like mm. they have been saying and they are that,
1: playing in the same competition,
3: yeah. So there's a lot, and this is out, uh, this has nothing to do with Europe, um, but um, it's, it's going to have a massive it looks like just listen to Mark McCall's uh reaction after the game there, they went to um. Gloucester and won mm. well before he goes well look I'm going to reward these players before the English lads come back in and they have the South African tight head Vincent Cock who effectively destroyed the English scrum when he came on in the mm. World Cup final so you have all these players coming back in and their their whole thing is now more than anything is let's not get relegated 'Cause if we get relegated, there's a year into a lions year coming mm. up next and it's 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 disaster. And he it, it, McCall's whole thing is we're not gonna break apart this squad, but your squad gets broken apart if you get relegated. So the Champions Cup, Munster are loving this, I'd say, because they're run there, they've only got Tyler Blainehall left as far as out halves go, and they've got back to backs with Sarsons in December. So their whole boat both European campaigns rest on those two matches and how they go. And you would have like it would have been, you see, no way of how Munster could have beaten Saracens in probably both games uh, until now. Just until be- now, the McCall saying Toge might be sat down and the one
2: How come, is is there a chance that they're, because they are, said they're appealing this, is there a chance that the points deduction is going to be halved or something like that? Because if they were really serious about this punishment, would they not have stripped them of their titles?
3: Well, <clears throat> would this have even happened if there hadn't have been some good journalism to uncover it, you know? So, yes. You've, of course, there's a possibility that this will all get sorted out, but <clears throat> it was the the reaction of the other coaches and captains in England was so powerful and so strong. Now there would be uproar if they softened it up on them. Now I think because right. they are all leaning towards they should be, if not stripped of the titles, they should be relegated. You know, they should be punished. There was a lot of them were pushing pushing that line forward. So we shall see. There's a lot of a lot. There's a lot more to run on this. And as I said, there is. I'm just hearing talk and rumours, that's why I wouldn't dare mention a club now, but there is other clubs who are getting a little bit worried, I'd say, as well, who have done one or two similar things. And what they are going to have to do is you're going to have to reassess everything. Okay, rugby, how do you pay these players? They should be played a lot more money than they are. And, you know, it's such a torturous game and it's going to become a five-year, six-year career as we get deeper and deeper into it. And there is a lot of money swirling around. And Saracens felt like they just figured it out. Mm. (laughs) And they do, they really push the whole, like, The first thing you years ago and talked to Mark McCaller talking about the crash they have and the community they've built and and they are a
1: very tight club. There's no getting away from that. And I mean, you know, very a very clannish type of club. And there is a bit of Millwall about them. There is a bit of no one likes us. We don't care. Um, I must say, uh, I I'm fairly sure I've never gone looking for an English club rugby match on a Saturday afternoon in my life. But the other day, uh, when whatever the lunchtime soccer game was over on BT Sport uh, they said and coming up on BT Sport 2 <laughs> we have Gloucester against Saracens and I went ah, I'll switch over to that for 10 minutes and uh, like there's, there's Gloucester lads in the crowd waving 50 euro note or 50 pound notes are they them. fake or real 50 notes. Well, they were real. fake apparently <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also and this is this doesn't speak, speak well of them wearing caps with sticks of celery on them I saw that yeah celery cap
2: I got it yeah it's not good no it didn't make it's it any good. funnier getting it
3: no um, but yeah anyone who thinks it's going to be a soft landing from the World Cup especially in English rugby no this is this is this has because to be reported fascinating. On.
1: there's going to be so much rancour following them all the way through the year
3: yeah, yeah. and they just said feck it we're not showing up we're not getting into the same room as the other coaches and captains at the European launch which they actually pulled this stunt in 2010 uh, Steve Bortwick, who's now English assistant coach, was the captain, didn't show up because they went to Oktoberfest on a little bit of a bonding weekend series. And they got fined four grand.
1: Just one last thing before we get on to, to the rest of the competition. How culpable are are the players, Mark McCall... Like, it's, it's a very easy... <clears throat> Nigel Ray is a very, very easy guy to to uh, pinpoint as being the, the evil genius behind all of this. But how culpable are the... The players. You can't the say they don't
3: know because they have yeah. bank accounts which they check every now and again and they were looking pretty healthy mm. because of the businesses that have been set up by them. So all the senior players and their their main players are aware that they were doing something very different than everyone else. And obviously it didn't invade the English camp because they're a very unified group and all that. But, you know, they are sitting with other players and everyone, everyone has known for three years at least that this is the way they've done it. There's been several investigations in the past about this. This is nothing new and uh, Saracens have been doing that in the open so yes of course they know but culpable I don't know you know like they're aware of it and they have profited from it but it's going to be very interesting the next time Etoje or Farrell hmm. sits down in front of the microphone so
1: though like who who is the cheat like is Owen Farrell the cheat or is Nigel Ray the cheat
3: well, it was Ray's idea, I imagine. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's his and he he, 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 the he profited from it. Yeah, he's like, come with me, and I'll show you how to do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? But all the money, all the monies in the accounts are out there in the world. You can you can see who's making what from what businesses and companies. You can see how much money they're making on the salary cap, and you can add it all up. Mm. So if we can do it, they can do it. You know, um,
2: Saracens are in Munster's group in the Champions Cup, along with Ospreys and Racing ninety two. Uh, Munster now have a full on injury crisis at would half because uh, J.J. Hanrahan did a hamstring at the weekend against Ulster but before we get on to J.J. Hanrahan can you explain to me how we now know that Joey Carberry is going to be out until Christmas probably-ish I, and yet we I'd brought say him longer. to a World Cup I'd say longer longer yeah. we brought him to a World Cup thinking uh, he'd probably play the second or third game how, how does that happen or what
3: happened in between? Uh, this happened to Joey Carberry last year when he's in the Ireland squad He there was an open training session when he had a hamstring and he was ran hard at that and they. it it, it cost Munster as well at that period of time. Van Graham was asked about it in detail again during the week in Cardiff and he said, uh, when I had been asked, he goes, I'm not going to comment on his time in Ireland camp. (laughs) And we were like, well, we didn't didn't ask you about his time in Ireland camp. uh, But then the the, the quotes were all like, he's back with us now and he's one of ours and we're going to look after him properly. And you're like, well, okay, should we press more here? But um, Joey Carberry twisted his ankle badly in early August, uh, everyone knew it was a bit of a disaster. Got, got carted off the pitch in the Italy game three weeks before, four weeks before a World six weeks before a World Cup, sorry, yeah. yeah. Uh, had ankle surgery. They brought him. It was at the expense of someone like, let's we'll say, John Cooney, who was very good on the weekend, got, got cut out because we're, we're bringing Joey Carberry as the 9 10 cover. Don't worry, he'll be fine. Joey Carberry admitted uh, in the mix own after the japanese game when he came on and made no impact because he played no rugby mm-hmm. up for what I was at 7 weeks or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, he came that he'd been struggling with fitness um, and that he you know because you have when you have ankle surgery you tend to struggle with fitness. So it was the worst case situation for Ireland because they really needed to lean on him um the really, the, he was the guy who was going to change up the team we go back to all this East and the Sea with stuff about how Ireland never changed I think they definitely would have changed somewhat if it was Sexton and Carberry finishing games or you know Yeah. so all these things have a knock on effect anyway uh, he's back in Munster they said he's not going for surgery but they, they have no idea of a timeline they're certainly not giving us an idea of a timeline and the only reason why people think he might be back before Christmas because the question was put to Van Graan any chance of him coming back before Christmas mm-hmm. but all Van Graan said was I hope so which, if he, there's a chance of coming back for Christmas, you would have probably said it. But they're putting their whole thing is they're putting no pressure on him. They're getting him back fit. And this is how Munster's season has fallen apart. Uh, in Erasmus's year, year, two years, three years ago, where they lost Blaine Hall. They had no eight-half. They got to a semi-final. You, it's like the NFL. If you don't have your quarterback in the playoffs, you can just forget about it. You know what I mean? Um, again, last year, Carberry was just... everyone. It was It was real what he did from January until that six weeks when he just didn't miss a kick at goal and he was just we were like okay it's confirmation he's world class then he got injured once again I have to go deep into their players on the weekend JJ and started he's been playing quite well this season and Holding with JJ Hanrahan, and Tyler, Tyler Blainhall, they are very, very good players. But if they were going, it was established about a year ago, if they were going to be international caliber out halves, mm. they wouldn't have gone after Carberry in the first place. They wouldn't have recruited an international calibre out half. So they're back to back to Hanrahan. He made a lovely break against Ulster, cut through the middle, and fads, the uh, Ulster fullback, the Kiwi Ulster fullback, hit him like just fractionally late as he got the pass away and looks like he tore his hamstring because the doctors signalled it straight away to limp off. Strange way to actually do a hamstring, to, yeah. get, to get hit late just after the ball, but he, maybe he planted his leg, I don't know. Blaine Hall came on, so afterwards we are there to Van Gran. Okay, right, you're down to one out half and he was like straight away Rory Scannell maybe and they have a young lad, Healy, uh, from the Ireland 20s. and like you're going into you're going into your signature games for the season and it's back to Blaine Hall.
2: So. and his own injury record isn't exactly flawless. No, is it? no.
3: And, and Van Graan as he's copying the Springboks and he's going with six forwards and two backs on the bench. We're going to see a lot of that by the way from now on. New packs coming on. Everyone's going to copy the Springboks as you do, especially Van Graan. And um they were relying on Blaine Hall to be the the cover all man, you know, mm. and Conor Murray. So uh he came on, he uh, He's he's a classy out half, you know what I mean. He, he blatantly missed the tackle on Rob Herring to get Ulster back into the game for their try, um, but then again he put away, he created the try to won them the game. Um, everything's going to be on him, and like it'll be great. He'll probably, he probably could well guide Munster to a semi final, and that's where it end, because <laughs> that's where it always ends with the, when they have Blaine Hall at ten. It's just a reality, you know.
1: All four provinces are in it this year. a uh, Connector in uh, Pool 5 with Montpellier, Toulouse and Gloucester. Um, they're not
3: going to go well, They have plenty.
1: Yeah, it's uphill for them, is
3: uh, Yeah, they've got a, Andy Friend. They've got a great coach. Um, but like, There's already talk of Marmion leaving for Saracens. Um,
1: Bundy's going to... Bundy Aki.
3: Just from listening to Andy Friends again last week, it was, they're going to do well to keep him. Irish rugby are going to do well to keep Bundy Aki, is what, what it looks like now, unless... Like, do Leinster want him? They've Tomani. Do Munster want him? They're about to sign Delande. Mm. He's not going to Belfast, so uh, maybe if you're advising the guy and CJ Stander in two years' time, you go, look, brilliant career move. Let's go to Japan or let's go to Toronto. It's only Bill Williams. You know, mm. it's time to the long road home. It's time
1: to get the wheelbarrow out. Um,
3: yeah. Which and they know oh, they O oh, there will be nothing these guys. So they've they've done their due. But um, yeah, you are in for a long season because. Shauna Brown, Ulton Delane, Gavin Thornbury, Quinn Roo, that's their second row stocks, and they're all injured. So you got, you got Montpellier and you got Toulouse. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough for them to uh to, to do anything. But um the rest of them, Leicester are gonna have a good season. They're looking great, looking sharp before single internationals has been really before the, the main lads have been dropped back in. They already look like it's a proper actual argument about should what main lads should be dropped in, what ones shouldn't. Um they're trucking along, it's looking as as Depth wise, looking as strong as ever. The young guys coming through are very exciting. Um, there's a lot of positives there, especially Ronan Kelleher, the young hooker. Uh, he's 21. It's too, it's, a, it's a bit unfair to be fast tracking him, but he is the next Ireland <laughs> hooker. Uh, he, he's class. He scored, I think, six tries in five games. He's got a little offload. He's big. He's strong. Uh, his brother's keying on the wing. So it always happens after World Cups. Like after 99, O'Gara and Hayes, you go through it. After mm. 03, it was Darcy. You know, there's always a player. Out of it all, out of the misery, always you know you can always <laughs> flip and go, Look, here's the next generation. That we are, always get somebody gonna be, else that we're going to saddle we're gonna, with. <laughs> we're going to build up for three years and then rack them down when they get Watch knocked out of the World break Cup quarterfinal. Unfortunately, <laughs> this is the way it runs. But um, yeah, they should be good. Uh, Lencer will be good. they got Treviso and then away to Lyon. Um, I don't think Lyon are top of the French top 14, but uh, I'd say I'll keep focused on that but yeah the, the game that everyone will be looking forward to in two weeks time is Zeebo coming back to uh, Thoman Park a mm. um, little bit heavier than he was when he left but uh, <laughs> he'll be be—he'll, you know he'll look to turn it on um, when racing visit Munster in two weeks
2: How do you see Ulster getting on this season? They're in pool three with Bath claremont Auvergne,
3: and Harlequins. See, um, McFarland's a very good coach, and they've put together a nice little team. I think they have Billy Burns at about half to come back, and Marcel Coetzee, their, their springbok, to come back, which will make a difference. But they weren't that impressive on the weekend. Their, their Leinster heavy pack, there was five Leinster guys in their pack up, got kind of dusted up a bit by Munster when it really mattered. I felt like they, they stayed in it. And um, uh, like there was one bit where Marty Moore came back, and he made a little break, and Standard has slapped the ball out of his hand. They, they looked like they're. Like they're all, they're gonna be competitive under them, but um I don't know. I like they shipped sixty two points when they went down to Blomfontein. When it when Munster just kinda of woke up, when the crowd kinda of lost it a bit, you could see them clicking the ear going, We're not losing this game. Um Ulster have Bath away. Like if Underhill and Francois Lowe appear on the pitch, they're not gonna they're gonna have all their balls stolen from them unless Coatesy can get in. So they're gonna be a tough start. Bath are beatable though. Um Claremont at home. You got to win those two games, or for them, it's their it's for Ulster. It's going to be momentum, momentum stuff. So John Cooney looks like he's harnessed, not getting ignored by Ireland quite well. He's going to be their main man this season. He's taken, he was even dropping off as well as place kicking and everything. So uh, out half is not going to be their their main man. It'll be it'll be the scrum half. They get two wins, get a win away from bat and beat Claremont at home, and it's they'll be flying. But. I'm not holding up great hope for Ulster. They'll make make strides, but it's very hard to make strides in the Champions Cup.
2: Um, Just might as well do a a crass and impossible prediction, but like, I mean, up to a week or two ago, you'd probably have said Saracens were the favourites for this. If they still are they, he,
3: McCall, <laughs> M- 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 McCall might be kind of uh, just you know mm, yeah. it, putting, it, putting it out there and twisting the narrative getting hold of the narrative and changing the direction of it and putting a bit of emphasis on poor Sarson. <laughs> it was clever quote. it was clever stuff what he said you know mm. um, but like what are they going to do are they going to send the it, bees yeah. to Tomah Park are yeah, they going to send yeah, the, the yeah, young yeah, fellas yeah. down there to, like that's not going to do them any benefit you know you, you, I'd say they'll stack it up and go down and try and do Munster in, Toman, in Limerick like It's too tempting not to, you know, like, (laughs) like so. Yeah, it
1: it it wouldn't really uh, chime with their values.
3: No, so you don't know about the French. You don't know about the French teams because again, a lot of they're getting a lot of their superstars were away at World Cups and they're getting them back in, and top fourteen is priority. So, like, this season is always interesting. This was the season that Connacht won the Pro Mm Twelve. Remember, you know, there's always an opportunity for a team that is not. So Montpellier might be very good, for example, because I don't think any of their South Africans were at the World Cup, you know. Right. The majority of them. So you know, there's gonna be a team like that. We there's no way I'm predicting it until like give me like a week. <laughs> give me like one weekend of rugby to see uh to, to tune back well, into. Well that it.
1: weekend that weekend of rugby is we'll just go through the Irish ones. Ulster away at Bath on Saturday afternoon.
3: Yeah, they the wreck, yeah.
1: Leinster are home to Treviso on Saturday at three fifteen.
3: There won't be sexton back there, by the way. He'll be they they Said, but do, you, do you believe them week. anymore? But they said maybe the week after, you know.
1: Uh, half five on Saturday, Ospreys Munster uh, at Ospreys, and on Sunday Connacht are at home to Montpellier. On Sunday, yeah. Sunday afternoon at one o'clock. Uh, Gavin, I can only apologise. I can't really apologise any more than I already have. Um, you're not getting any time off. You're going to be back here next week telling us about how the first weekend... I'm going get Christmas,
3: week, Christmas Day off. I'm going to go We're going to break you like we broke Joey Carberry. They play a
1: lot of rugby over Christmas, Gavin. I'm, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen either. I know, So, yeah, uh, yeah no, just do. wait till next summer. Long, long time. Which is ready.
3: actually, by the way, the rugby season doesn't end until the middle of July. Because you know? <laughs> they're going to Australia.
1: And then we'll send you to watch the dubs.
3: Never mind us. But like, what are the players going to be like in a couple of months' time? <laughs> God almighty.
1: cranky. <laughs> Gavin, thank you My
3: pleasure You're listening to the Irish Times
1: It is international week uh, on two fronts in soccer uh, Ireland's women are playing Greece in a Euros qualifier tomorrow afternoon and the men are playing friendly against uh, New Zealand on Thursday, Thursday. night and then a uh, big qualifier next Monday We have Emmet Malone on the line How are you Emmet? Hi,
0: uh, how's it going Mal?
1: We're well. We're well. Uh, we will. We may as well take the men first. Uh, you have an injury update and such like in the in the paper this morning. How how are we looking?
0: Yeah, I mean it's been pretty good, really, to be honest. Uh, Aaron Connolly came off at halftime yesterday in the game against Manchester United. He, um, Graham Potter, the uh, Brighton manager, said afterwards that he was feeling his groin a bit. Um, it was all kind of quite vague in terms of levels of seriousness. sounded like it was kind of quite precautionary that he was just struggling a little bit and sound too serious, given that there's a week to go before the the competitive game. Um, But, you know, as, as, as always the case with these things, there'll be scans today and, um, and a better sense, probably by, you know, late this afternoon or even tomorrow morning as to, as to how he's fixed. But, um, it didn't sound like the sort of thing that was going to keep him out of the game, you know, and mm. he's obviously certainly at a, at a stage of his career, I'm sure, where on the one hand, he'd be mad keen to play. On the other hand, maybe, maybe, maybe you could say he'd be, you know, susceptible to a bit of pressure at the club, but I, I really don't think that they would want to keep him out of it. Brighton have been very good in terms of their cooperation at different levels with Ireland, and um, I'd be optimistic elsewhere. I mean, Darren Randolph played, which was good. Glenn Whelan made the bench for Hearts, which was good. I mean, obviously, it might have been better if he'd played, but he's coming back from an injury that people felt might keep him out of these games. And uh, the fact that he was on the bench suggests he's match fit. James McLean got first start under Michael O'Neill at, at Stoke City, first championship start for more than a month. So that kind of suggests that he might be going to play there more. But in, in right now, it's just good news for McCarthy that he's got 90 minutes under his belt. And so, you know, look, I, I I think McCarthy would have to be pleased with the way things went over the weekend.
2: Yeah, well, another thing that was quite positive until he was taken off was that Connolly actually looked really sharp, I thought, at Old Trafford yesterday. He, he was playing well.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, you know, he, he he just has great confidence. Seems to be, um, you know, God, I remember when I used to do Mark Lawrence's column for the paper, and he used to talk about young lads having no fear, and and uh, and and he comes across like that. He really, he really has uh, hit the ground running there. Um, obviously, the goals haven't flowed in quite, you know, the way that that you would hope if you playing in a better team or whatever, but, um, but he, he looks, he looks confident player. He looks sharp. He looks uh, inventive. Um, he looks like, you know, quite a few things that, that, that Ireland could do with if he was that, that bit further down the line. But his inexperience experience is, is, is obviously a factor. And, uh, and whether, you know, a, a, a game against the Danes McCarthy kind of uh, feels he can, you know, invest in them to that extent, you know, to start him or whatever remains to be seen. I mean, it really didn't go brilliantly for him out in Switzerland. Um, and uh, and the bottom line is that at this stage that's going to happen. But there was also a change of formation there. There was an attempt to do something slightly different, and it didn't really work. And um, and he kind of ended up being slightly marginalised for chunks of the game. So, look, yeah, it's uh, it, it it it's interesting. Um, there's kind of been so much going on in terms of you know even just in the general context of McCarthy coming back in and everything like that um, to hit this sort of kind of stage, Stage a crunch game um, so early in the development of a a team uh, and uh, under a new manager is is, you know odd enough in its way and uh, it's going to be an interesting week
2: How will McCarthy approach the game against New Zealand on Thursday? Will his main aim be to sort of get games into the legs of some of those guys that aren't featuring regularly at club level?
0: Yeah, that certainly sounds like it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a kind of balancing act between keeping keeping players who have been playing ticking over, getting as you say game time into guys who haven't really been featuring, um, testing the fitness of players, and uh, and having a look at some of uh, some some kind of marginal players. So, I mean, he's talking about giving a debut to Leo Connor, uh, the, Celt- the young Celtic fullback who haven't. You know, um, it's still very, very inexperienced at club level. Um, he's talking about giving game time to Jack Byrne. But, um, but you know, uh, you know, like if you take somebody like um, uh, Glenn Whelan, I mean, a lot will depend on where precisely he feels he is in terms of fitness. Um, he hasn't uh, got on the pitch for Hearts over the weekend as they beat St. Mary 5-2. Uh, so he has to make a call on whether, you know, you just leave somebody like that, um, uh, trust in the fact that their, their underlying fitness is okay. And they don't need that game time or it's a risk to put them into that, into that game or, or, or whether they really do need the run out. So look, I, I, I think it's a balancing act. I think you'd be losing a lot of substitutes. Um, and, uh, It'll be a little bit all over the place. I, um, I, I, like, I think from McCarthy's point of view, the New Zealand game is extremely useful. It gives them something to play with in terms of you know all of these factors. But um, I'm not entirely sure from a spectator's point of view, it's going to be a, a must see, as they say. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, as you said in the papers today, um, McCarthy was in town over the weekend. He was at the FAI awards. Um, I thought FAI awards. Uh, yeah, I thought oh, the PFAI awards. Apologies. Yes, of course. Uh, I thought the uh, the Richard Ko stuff was interesting. Uh, it, uh, and at the same time, I'm not sure I expected him to say anything else than what, than what he did say.
0: Yeah, he seems very fond of Kyo mm. uh, genuinely every time he talks about him, he talks about him very warmly, he talks about how great he is to work with, he talks about you know um, how much he likes him, how, feel, how how sorry he feels for him. Um, and so yeah, he expressed support for him over the weekend, said that he was astonished by the turn of events there and, um, and was glad to see the PFAI or sorry the PFA in England that's uh, the players' union there, um, take up his case. And, and you would expect all of that. He suggested that if he got into an Uber, you know, called mm. an Uber, got into the Uber and the driver was drunk, then he doesn't think, you know, then that he, that he would have been sacked. I'm, I'm not quite sure how well that works, to be mm. honest, uh, as a case for the defence. Um, I think a great deal of what has happened with... Um, kill is unfortunate. He's paying a very, very high price for, for uh, you know, an act of, uh, well, presumably drunken stupidity. Um, uh, you know, the other two players, there's a hypocrisy here for sure. Um, he wasn't one of the ones driving. He wasn't one of the ones who might have run over a Derby County fan, uh, you know, late that night. Um, and yet there is an obligation on players to... Um, to keep themselves fit, to not you know risk uh, their ability to uh, earn earn their money, and um, and he was in the back seat of a car being tri- driven by somebody who was drunk. Um, he was, he, I don't think he was wearing a seat belt. Um, he was uh, pretty badly injured in it. Um, and yet, it takes a fair bit of chutzpah for Derby to sack him, and not either not either of the two younger players who have a transfer value, who aren't injured. You know, um, uh, Keogh doesn't come brilliantly out of this, but Derby County certainly don't come out of it very well either.
1: Yeah, it's a really it's a really fascinating conundrum all around, yeah. and 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 a little bit at the heart of it is exactly as you say. Like everybody seems to like Richard Keoh, like he do, he does come across as. As, a, as you know, in as much as we know these people at all, but yeah. he, he does come across as, you know, your, your solid, decent bloke kind of thing. Uh, yeah, look, you
0: know. I, he does, absolutely. And, um, I I don't know him at all. I've never mm. had to sit down one on one with him. I've never been over to Derby to see him or any of his previous clubs. Uh, so my, my experience really is limited to to you know pitch sides around the RMT, mm. mix zone meetings, uh, those occasions when uh, the F A I roll him in to do group interviews and stuff like that. He's always come across as really likable in those. Um, the one thing I would have said just as kind of you know general sense I got from him when talking to him was that he was one of these guys who. Uh, had a kind of you know I don't mean this in, I, I don't genuinely mean it in a bad way but a limited enough ability he you know he mm. you know he's not he's not a you know a very top level player but he seemed like one of these guys who applied himself to to extracting the maximum, you know, out of his out of what skills he has, uh, what ability he has, and 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 I always liked him for that. But you know, saying that that's probably at odds with him going out and getting completely murdered, drunk on a midweek yeah. night, you know, in, in midseason. So you know, how much do you know about these guys really when you're quite a distance away? Yeah.
1: Um, moving on, uh, there, there's a really massive game for the. Ireland women's team tomorrow. They're away to Greece in their third uh qualifier for the Euros. Um yeah. you've been at their their two games so far. They're 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 two from two. Um they they're in they're in a good place now. The the qualifying road is, is very long. Like it you know, it's, it yeah. takes another year to work out. But they've done what they've needed to so far. But tomorrow tomorrow's a really big game for them
0: yeah it is um, I think that uh, I, I think that yeah you know, as you said've done what you'd expect so far what you would have been hoping for uh, so far uh, it is very very early stages though um, mm. There's a long way to go um, and uh, you know look I mean I think it's fair to say that people got a little bit carried away with their qualification chances last time mm. Um uh, they had some good results against the weaker teams. They had, you know, a big draw away to the Netherlands. And um, people started talking about them qualifying when really it still didn't look terribly realistic. Um, and um, and they're a fair way off it yet, you know, here. Uh, you know, they, 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 they've beaten Montenegro at home. Uh, the win over Ukraine was a very big one. I think it is the first time they've beaten the second seeds in a group. So that's certainly encouraging. Um, it was narrow enough. They were a the better team on the night, but Ukraine looked okay. And mm. I, I suspect Ukraine would go away from that game, certainly believing that there's no reason why they shouldn't win at home, you know. Mm. So not that's not to say that Ireland won't believe they can go over there and get a result, but Ukraine certainly weren't you know, it was three two. I don't think they were so well beaten at all that, you know, Ukraine would uh, feel that they're they, they they wouldn't be competitive at home. That said, they have no points after three games and, you know, maybe when that game comes around, um, they'll be just completely out of it and you don't know what's gonna happen in those situations. The Greek games are uh, are absolutely interesting um you know but they they've already been beaten 5 nil at home by Germany um but they've beaten Montenegro 4 nil away which is a much better result than we got against them you know mm. so um so it's going to be interesting test we back to back games against Greece we have Montenegro away to come home uh, oh. go, uh, to come away so you know as you point out in the paper today Mao, if we uh, we win all of those games the job is oxo you know um i <laughs> uh, <laughs> i think that the, the, you know Vera Powell has it's been interesting i mean um um colin bell certainly you know talked very confidently about moving on to to qualifying for tournaments i don't think he ever came as close last time as he tended to betray mm. i think the, the attempt to talk confidence into the team um, but it was a very very tough group and um, this looks a more a slightly more manageable group Vera Powell, has, in, in contrast, a couple of our players like Katie McCabe came in and talked about finishing top of the group or very early on before it started. Uh, the Germans look, you know, they, I mean, they've, they've been uh, winning all their games so far by very big margins. Yeah. They look like a German team that's really, really coming again. Vera Powell's been very realistic about that, talking about anything we get from those games being... Um, Being a bonus, um, uh, those games are still a little way off. Uh, So what she is talking about, finishing second in the group, taking one of the three top runners-up spots, which would be automatic placings. I think that's going to take some doing. At the moment, Mm. we've won two of our games where, um, you know, if you take out the teams, we have a game in hand on in the second place table. We're still about fifth. You look at the likes of, you know... The likes of France, they've won both their games, but they've you know scored nine, conceded none. The Swiss have scored nine in three games, maximum points. Iceland, not maximum points, scored 11, uh, conceded one. Um, you know the thing about women's football is that the weaker teams can be pretty weak, and we, you know, for me at this stage, you know, I'd be concerned that we still have dropping points along the way in us, and we don't have very much scope to do that if we're going to qualify automatically. Yeah. Uh, I do, do think we're really serious contenders to finish second, and 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 that 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 in itself, uh, and to make the playoffs, and that would be a uh, you know solid progress, really very solid progress, and, and give us a crack at a first ever major championship.
1: You yeah, put your finger on it there, I mean, like the. the- the thing I took from watching the, the their two games is that they you know they're 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 quite compact they're r- pretty well drilled and have a couple of really standout players you know Katie yeah. Katie McCabe is obviously very good like Denise O'Sullivan is excellent yeah. uh, Rihanna uh, Rihanna Jarrett yeah, was, was, yeah, was was, was fantastic game, right? in that game um, yeah. but
0: you I mean, we have a solid spine there yeah, yeah. other players like Louise Quinn Nifahi. Um Dan they're Caldwell. you know, Diane Caldwell, they're 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 really, really solid players. They're good players playing at good clubs. Um and there's the makings of a good team there. We have some some we have some weaknesses. Um uh, you know, I mean, our, our goalkeeping situation is 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 not terrific. Not great, Marie yeah. Harahan showed last time that she has a mistake in her, and and uh, and and you know, we won the game despite that last time, but you know, because we scored three times. But against tougher opponents or in a more on a more difficult night, that might be the difference between taking maximum points and not. But you know, there is there is not a huge amount of depth to the squad. That situation has been improving over the last few years. You can see it. You know, when I started going to watch the team, you know, there was very very clear weakness. In, in positions where the gap between the better players and the weaker players in the side was so great that um, that games really turned on it. It was very difficult for mm. them to, to sustain the challenge against, uh, against decent opponents. Um, that has improved dramatically. We have more players playing away the league here has improved, um, the league situation here has improved although there's, there's very little depth to that and not enough very, very competitive games for them. Um, it's a slow process but mm. there's no doubt that the game here is improving, no doubt about that at all and, and our underage teams have always punched above their weight or for a long time have. Um, so we bring through talented young players um, but um, that, uh, you know look whether whether it's this campaign or, or it's further down the road, we're, we're, we're getting there but it is a very slow pro- process and and you require is, you as know, very substantial investment which is obviously uh, always an issue for the association <laughs> yes
1: and not going to not going to resolve itself anytime, no, soon, anytime, no. anytime <laughs> soon no
0: anytime soon
1: no listen Emmett thanks a million that game is tomorrow lunchtime it's actually it's on RT uh, if people want to watch it uh, I think kickoffs yeah. around one o'clock uh, Emmett we shall talk to you next Monday ahead of uh, the, uh, the the biggie uh, on uh, Monday night and uh, until then thank you very much